0: Exodus chapter 19. We're going to look at this passage this morning leading our families to worship. Exodus 19. Bible tells us in let's begin in verse 3. It says, "And Moses went up unto God, unto the mount called unto him out of the mountain saying," Thus shalt thou say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Just stop right there and think about that. There's a lot of eagles around here. If you take and want to see some eagles, get on 22 and head towards Putnam, up through towards Ticonderoga. There are eagle nests all alongside on the power lines They have places built for these eagles. If you just go down here, not too far by the prison, you can see uh, eagles. If you go down in the in the canal right there and turn, there are eagles that nest right there, uh, right alongside the canal. And I tell you, eagles are beautiful. You see them gliding through the sky, and God says, "That's how I carried you on eagles' wings." They spent forty years wandering the desert, dealt with a lot of trouble, and God says. Remember how I led you on eagles' wings? Remember how I protected you on eagles' wings? Can you imagine riding on eagles' wings? I think two of our young men, did you guys fly this week? Did you get to ride on on some eagles' wings, okay? Um, Airplanes, especially little ones, scare me, okay? I I hear too many stories about their crashes, okay? (laughs) And it scares me. Uh, I haven't gotten a little airplane. I've seen them. But I've never got into a little one. I think the little turbulence, man, that thing would just flip right over. And uh, the thought terrifies me. But a bird, you think of flying on that and gliding on the bird and the way God has gifted that creature. God says, I bear you. That's how I took care of you, God says. Millions of people, he carried them on eagle's wings. He says, and brought you unto myself. That's not the message, but that's a beautiful picture right there, okay? Who's leading Whose guiding God is. Now, therefore, he says, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and what does he say? Keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. You say, What's peculiar? It's like when you have that special diamond, that special jewel. Ladies like collecting sometimes jewelry, they have some special one-of-a-kind thing, and Uh, You have this, this special ornament, this special thing. It's yours, and nobody else has one just like it. Okay, God says you're a peculiar treasure when you put your faith in Christ. And he wants us, by the way, to be a little different than the world. And he said, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of, what does he say? Priests and a holy nation. Now, was Israel a holy nation? Man, didn't they fail on that one? God says, Ye shall be a holy nation for a few minutes, right? They followed God and then they forsook God. By the way, it's, it is spoken of the nation of Israel that they took their preachers, their prophets, and literally would not listen to them. That's what, when God speaks of the nation of Israel, He speaks of how they did not listen. They did not heed the words from God. And, uh, but yet He still calls them a holy nation, a peculiar people. See how God speaks in faith, believing that His nation's going to follow Him? He says, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Verse 7. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Hey, Moses, whatever you say, Whatever you say, God says, we're going to do it. They all agreed to that. Can you imagine getting this many people together and they all agreed to follow God? Pretty exciting, right? You say, that'd be awesome. Yes. But we're going to see that that didn't exactly happen. And Lord said in verse uh, 9 unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee, how long? For? Ever. Ever. God says, I'm going to speak in such a clear way that the people are going to believe you forever. Have you ever heard God speak to somebody else and you know God spoke to somebody else and you you're, you know for sure that was God speaking, God was leading. Isn't it quick, it's easy for us to doubt that and say, I'm not sure if God really did the leading, I'm not sure if God really did the directing, but God made it very clear to them. He says, Moses, I'm going to speak to Moses so that you believe forever, so you continue to trust and And it says in verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. So two days of sanctification. And let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of the people unto Mount Sinai. This group of people had to spend two days preparing. And on the third day God's going to show up. Can you imagine taking two days to prepare for coming to church? I challenge you to do it. (laughs) What if you go on Friday you say, you know what, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. So I'm going to make sure I have my outfit picked out so we don't have to have an outfit surprise on Sunday morning. Uh, I'm going to make sure those clothes are clean. Uh, We're going to have Saturday scheduled so it's not too busy. We're going to get all ready because we're going to meet with God on this day. Man, they prepared to meet with God. They went through all these rigorous steps. They didn't have a... Washing machine. We live in an age of convenience, yet we, it's so difficult, right, to get things ready sometimes. And so they're getting ready to meet with God, and God puts a boundary around the mountain because he knows the people are curious, and he doesn't want the, the nation of Israel to get up on the mountain. He only wants one man up there. He wants Moses up there. And it says in verse 14, and Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. So he goes down and gets the people ready for this meeting with God. Verse 17, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mountain. So he stood at the bottom of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder and Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. Can you imagine that? You're you're at this heavenly meeting. Moses speaks, God talks. Can you imagine? If I started praying right now in the room and all of a sudden God started speaking back in an audible voice, wouldn't that be a little scary? That ...is what happened. Moses had been so long communing with God... ...that when God spoke... ...and by the way, you say, how does God speak today? Through his word. He speaks through his word. And and the people of God were meeting with God. Moses brought them out to meet with God. Notice in the passage that Moses took the time... ...in verse 17 to bring the people out to meet with God. In the busyness of our lives here in America... Uh, we kind of live a push and play life. Everybody, almost everybody has a smartphone and all the notifications push to it. Uh, remember when that all started? For some of you all, remember when that started with email back in the 90s or 80s, whenever that stuff started and all of a sudden those emails would come, you get an email every day, it was a big deal, email notifications, and now they got text notifications and now they got smart. They got apps they can install on your phone and they can push their opinion to you every- they're, they're whatever they want to say all day long and just blow that thing up. Somebody sends me a daily notification, all right? And uh, I have a friend who every day for the last seven years has sent me a daily quote. Now, that comes to my email inbox. My email inbox had like 7,000 emails in it. <laughs> no, it wasn't that many. But it had so many emails in it, I couldn't keep track of it. That particular person was a friend of mine. Um, also gave me a great suggestion to take a man- time management class by a friend of theirs. I took the time management class. And the time management class said, if you got emails that come as dailies, make a separate folder for them. So I did. But guess what that means? That when he sends me something important, it also goes there too. <laughs> all right. But you know what? That I have to check it. About every four days, I check that thing. All right. And I look down through it. Is it daily quote of the day? Or is it something that's urgent? And if it's something urgent, I click and look at it. And I try to look at all the quotes today, but look, you got time to look at every quote of the day. You forget to, okay? It's an email filler, all right? Now, uh, great motives, great intentions, but I'll tell you right now, uh, it's, to me, it's a, it's a little much, okay? And all those types of things, I have folders they go to. And if it's not a friend of mine, they go to spam blocker. Anybody get an idea? You want to be a blessing to me and start sending me an email every day? I'll create a separate folder for you. And that means anything important you send to me will actually go to that folder, okay? Uh, all right? I mean, good grief, okay? Look, God wants to get our attention. God wants to get our attention. And we live in a day in which so much stuff's being pushed at us that it's hard to hear from God. It's hard to hear from God. And sometimes we can be distracted with so much of the busyness of life that our life is still humming. You know why it's hard for children to focus in church? because they're watching so much time on the screens and on their video games that when they come to church, church is not animated. Church is not push video games. It's not in your face like that. It's different while you're meeting with God. And it'd be better to spend a little more time with them one-on-one in person with the parents than to be spending so much time on video games and all this stuff. Why? Because it, it creates our mind. Uh, our mind is constantly in this uh, this seeking uh, to be satisfied by the looking of the eyes. Okay, so the entertainment world really has conditioned people to not be able to hear from God because God speaks through a still small voice. God speaks when we quiet ourselves down, like when we take our men and we go down to immense prayer vans and we get away from our from the noise and from all the distractions, and we hear four or five hours of preaching in a row, and all of a sudden God begins to soften the hardness of the heart. Why? Because we didn't let it happen for a long time, okay? And when we get around that, all of a sudden God begins to soften our hearts. Why? Because our heart was so hard from all these other distractions we've been allowing to happen. How can we do that at home? Remove the distractions and go meet with God and let God speak to us and make a priority, even on, like you have today, to be in his house and hear the word of God and then go home and study it as well. It says, uh, as God spoke, though, in this passage, in verse 19, the voice of the trumpet sounded long, in verse 19, and and Moses spake, and God answered him. And then it says in verse 20, the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, upon the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the mount, and Moses went up, and the Lord said to Moses, and Moses must have got tired, look at this, go down and charge the people, lest they break through, unto the Lord, and and gaze, and many of them perished. They were going to try to see God's glory. God knew it. He says they're going to try to sneak up the mountain. He says to go back down and tell him. I mean, Moses is going up and down and up and down the mountain in his old age, okay? He is an older man at this time, and uh, he's, not a, he's not in his 40s anymore. He's entering into uh, close to his 80s at this point, point. and Moses is an older man, yet he's still having to hike the mountain back and forth. Why? To keep the people of God in check. And he's, take, he's got a message he's going to get from God. And he, God is going to give him a word, but he's got to go back and tell the people, hey, don't mess up the word. He takes all the time to do this. And you know what? The people messed up. <laughs> he takes all the time to do what God told him to do. And the still, things happen that shouldn't have happened. But you know what? God's merciful and gracious. All right, How do we lead our family to worship? How do we lead ourselves to worship? In our text, we see the power and influence Of one individual, one man of God, Moses led them to worship. I challenge you, each of you men in the room, how's your personal worship with God? How strong is your commitment to Jesus Christ? Are you on fire for the king or have the embers gone cold? Is there a lukewarm chill in the air? The level of our commitment, the level of our worship uh, and commitment to Jesus Christ is demonstrated by the extent to which we will be fully dedicated and fully engaged in his mission no matter how much it costs. Uh, When I read this passage, and down through the rest of it we're going to see in just a moment some other things, I think about this. Man, if all those priests, if all those Levites, if Aaron would have just walked with God, Moses wouldn't have had to sit up there getting the Ten Commandments while all the rascals start making an idol down at the bottom of the mountain. If one other man would have just stood up with Moses, one, and said, you know what, folks? Idols are what got us in trouble before. Let's not do this again, okay? These other nations have bad idols. Let's, come on, guys. Let's wait. God's meeting with us. No other nation meets with God in this way. Nobody stood up. Nobody stood up. And that's why the whole nation winds up getting into sin, because nobody stood up. All it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. And these people forsook God simply because Moses was up meeting with God for 40 days. Moses meets with God up on the mountain, and the ten commandments are given to him. In verse 12 of chapter 20, you have the Ten Commandments listed out uh, in verses, excuse me, in verses eight down through. okay? And so the Bible talks about remembering the Sabbath day, not taking the name of God in vain. And all the Ten Commandments are listed out. As he finishes those, God finishes them. He gives them uh, these commandments. He tells them the rest of the law. But you know what? During this time, the people begin to make an idol. And the people make an idol, and God has to come down. And God has to send Moses down to pass judgment on them. Why? Because they forsook God well, Moses was leading them. And I want to draw some some analogies from this passage. How can we lead? How can we lead in worship? Because Moses was doing it, but sadly the rest of the congregation wasn't doing it. First, we can intercede for them. Moses in Exodus 32, verse 20, uh, verse 30, sorry. Exodus 32, verse 30. Moses is meeting with God. And they, the people have, of course, done, done evil against God. And it says in verse 30, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, and preadventure I shall make an atonement for you. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Now therefore, go, now, now go lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people, because they made the calf which Aaron made intercede for them. You say, what can I do to help my family? What can you do to help your family? We can pray for them. But prayer is more than just, dear God, please bless them. Intercede. Interceding for them. It's to stand in between. In prayer, believing God. As I was reading of James Stewart in the book this week, I saw how this young man, he had done so much preaching. He was preaching forty times during a week. And, and he, was, he was so busy preaching and so busy teaching and so busy engaging people, out street preaching, there was this man, and he was a Scottish preacher, and he was over in London, and the people noticed his accent was different. And there was a man on one corner he was, who was an atheist, and he would stand up on the street and he would preach. Those Christians over there, they don't believe, they're just believing in fairy tales. They're just fakes. They're just hypocrites. And here the young man, James Stewart,'s over there, and he's preaching the gospel. And I tell you, it it was back and forth, the bantering, and they would do it day after day and preaching. But you know what? James started believing God, and some of the other Christians started believing God this man would get saved. Well, God struck him with a sickness, and guess what? He got on his bed, he was sick. They went to go visit him, the Christians did. He said, don't come visit me, don't come visit me. They said, no, we love you. And see, James had pronounced a prophetic word standing in the crowd one day as he looked up at that, at that atheist. He said, one day, you will be standing on the same corner preaching the gospel. By the way, that word was fulfilled. And if just a few months later, that man who was an atheist turned to Christ And became a preacher on the street corner. By the way, God doesn't want to just improve atheist life. He wants to turn them around to be preachers of the gospel. Amen. He wants to take them so they quit declaring their own way. And start declaring Jesus saves. Intercede for them. He describes the hours they spent in prayer. He said, you know what? I took a little vacation to get off. Because the doctor said I needed to. And so he took some time to get away. He describes how well he was on vacation. Three days. He got burdened about how he needed to start a new ministry and came back and started it. Okay? I mean, that's he my type, my type of guy. All right? Why? Because God used him because he was willing, he was willing to pray. He was willing to believe God. He said, no, if anybody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, Jesus says, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. First Timothy chapter 2, and verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all prayers, it says supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He describes intercessions and prayers and supplications, three different types of praying. And he speaks of the need to go before God with specific needs and then to continue to ask, just like our children. They keep asking, don't they? When they want something, they keep asking. They want that toy. They want that game. They keep asking until they get it. They want to go somewhere. They keep asking until they get it. Intercede for them. In the same way they ask, let's ask the Father. And when we are interceding, let us remember these things. We've got to forgive completely if we're going to intercede. Verse 31 speaks of this. We've got to forgive completely. Uh, Moses said, in verse verse 31 of Exodus 32, Moses returned and said unto the Lord, This people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. He said, Yet now if thou wilt... If thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me out. He asks God to forgive. As the Apostle Paul said, he said to the church, he said, by the way, church, when he's writing a letter, he said, to anybody that you forgave, I forgive them too. Can you imagine that? Anybody that he forgives, you're going to forgive. You say, but I don't know who they're going to forgive. Everybody, okay? So he's speaking of being willing to forgive completely. Uh, The problem with Christianity today is there's a lot of grudge holding, okay? And uh, there's a lot of grudge holding. Forgive completely. Moses begged God to forgive the people who had done him wrong. And Moses realized this was all sin against God. And look, when we see that sins are truly against God, it changes us and and it helps us to become much easier to forgive. Um, the story is told of some Scottish soldiers who were forced by their Japanese captors to labor on this jungle railroad. It's called the Miracle of the River of Kau- Kauai. And the, on, the, uh, on the railroad, as they were trying to build this railroad through the jungle, these soldiers, these Scottish soldiers, were working so hard for the Japanese, and as slaves, obviously, and prisoners of war, And one day, as they were working, it turned out there was a shovel that came up missing. Well, the officer in charge became very angry and irate, and he demanded the shovel must be found or else. Well, nobody budged. Nobody could find it. The officer got out his gun and threatened to kill them on the spot. And when it was obvious that the officer meant what he said, finally one man stepped forward, and the officer put away his gun, picked up the shovel and beat the man to death. When it was over, the survivors picked up the bloody corpse and carried it with them to the second tool check. But this time, there was no shovel missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. Word spread like wildfire through the whole camp. An innocent man was willing to die to save others. The incident had a profound effect. The men began to treat each other like brothers and... When the allies swept in, the survivors were simply human skeletons at that point. They lined up in front of their captors and instead of attacking their captors, they insisted no more hatred, no more killing. What we need is forgiveness. Sacrificial love has transforming power and forgiveness is one of the hardest things we ever do. From a human perspective, a lot of people don't deserve forgiveness. But God, who is rich in mercy, desires to forgive. Aren't you thankful He forgives? And we come to Him and say, Lord, please forgive me, but Lord, I'm going to hold a grudge against them. No, no, no. God says, forgive, forgive. When we see the the sin wasn't committed against us, but against God, it changes our perspective. If He forgives, then we must forgive also. Look, we can't lead our children in worship in the home if we're not going to forgive. And uh, it's so sad the way that Christians take up grudges against a church without choosing to forgive. And uh, the grudge list sometimes is super long, and the list of people that have been forgiven is very small. Yet, aren't you thankful God forgives? And we ought to be the same like the Lord, and uh, we ought to forgive completely. We ought to also follow God. Follow God. Verse 34 says, Therefore now go and lead the people into the place which I have spoken thee. God told Moses, hey, get up and move forward. Get up and move forward. That's what you and I have to do sometimes. You've got to get up and move forward. Therefore now, he says, go lead the people into the place which I have spoken of unto thee. The people of God need to take time to stand before God and intercede. And then we need to follow God. Moses took time to meet with God and to do what God said. They had to wait for the law of God... Before they caught the promises of God, too much, too many times we want the promises, and God says, "Look, there's a law, and then the promises come afterwards." Um, The story is told of how uh, there were two in the the village. Two Chwang tribesmen heard they heard a man preach the gospel, and he began to sell gospel literature. He he promised a blessing on those who would read the Bible, and obey it. Two men purchased these copies. And they took them home, and they read until they read a statement that said, Take up your cross and follow Jesus. So they went outside, found bamboo, made a little cross, tied it to their back, and walked around with them throughout the village. They walked with these crosses on their back. People began to ask, what are these things doing? Because the Chinese translation of take up his cross literally means to bear the cross upon your back. These men carried the crosses and they visited the market and went about asking for who these people were. And seeing their earnestness for God, God did not leave them long in the dark. Soon a Christian worker discovered them, explained the gospel to them, and they went to Lichau for further instruction. After a week of instruction, they returned to their village and began to witness for the Lord. Think about this, after a week of being around the Christians... They came back and they were a witness for Jesus. They preached the gospel. Several months later, they went back and got baptized. And they said they granted both of the men their requests. As they exhibited an earnestness, seldom seen anywhere. Where are the people who will be willing to take a cross and carry it? You say, uh, it's just a little cross of bamboo. See, identifying with Jesus Christ. By the way, God wants us to identify with Him. He wants it to be obvious that we're a child of the King, following God. Man, do you follow God at home? Is the cross primary in your home? Uh, Look, it's unrealistic to expect the church to reform what we're not doing and to change what we might not be doing in the home. We must follow Christ in the home. With Christ, there's hope. The church is a hospital to heal up broken wounds, But uh, our consistent influence in the home makes a far greater impact than a few moments in church. And so the preparation in the home leads to good worship in the church. All right? And God wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So we want to follow God, we want to forgive. And as we are doing that, interceding, then we want to leave an impact, impact them. Moses set up a tabernacle. Moses set up the tabernacle, and the people stopped and watched him as he led in worship. What happens when you pray? Do people stop? Do people want to hear? Do people want to come around your walk with God? We leave an impact by the way others see us pray. I'm always impressed by the stories I hear of maybe folks who go to a grandparent's house And they're so impressed and so uh, moved by hearing the way grandma prays that they say, you know what, God is real and I want that God. God is real and I want that God. Moses led the people to worship. And as he's there worshiping God, the people stop and listen. The entire congregation put away their smartphones for a day. Amen. And they listen to somebody else meet with God. What would happen to us if we would lead in worship? God wants us to pray passionately. God wants us to believe God passionately. And and God wants to work in our lives. I read a little article entitled How to Be Miserable. It says if you want to be miserable, think about yourself, talk about yourself, use the word I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Uh, be suspicious. Be jealous. Be envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive criticism. Uh, trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if people are not grateful to you and your favor and, you know, sh- and showing you no favor. And never forget a service that you've rendered. Shirk your duties if you can, and do as little as possible for others. That's how to be miserable. That right there, my friend, is our culture today. Our culture says do what's right for yourself, uh, serve yourself. We even have shows in America like American what? Idol. And it's all about somebody becoming possibly famous. And look, I know... People are able to you know, shine out through it, and the people that, that are shy and embarrassed are able to sing some cool song and become famous. But look, at the end of the day, uh, it truly is focused more on uh, self, and, and that's way our culture is, craving for attention. People follow the popular folks, and our focus is on popularity today, but that's not the way it is with God. We leave an impact by the walk we have with God. We leave an impact by the walk we have with God. Be great with God. Be great with God. It says, And it came to pass when Moses went out of the tabernacle, all the people rose up. All the people rose up. The people rose up to follow the man of God, Moses, who had a walk with God. As he went to meet with God, the people came, and every man stood at his tent door and looked after Moses. They wanted to hear what, and see what God was going to do. Those who do great things for God must first be great with God. Do our children sense that we're entering the presence of God? Do they have respect for the holy things? What do your children see you doing with God? Do they simply see a life of work and then sleep and entertainment? Uh, do they see us make excuses about anything involving the worship of God? Uh, do they, how important is God in our home? Be great with God. No man can serve two masters, Jesus said. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways in James 1.8. Uh, look, America, we worship grades uh, here in America. And sometimes grades come before God. And sometimes uh, cheerleading comes before God. And all these other things... Uh, Sports come before God. Um, God wants us to be great with him. In the little school we taught in, the Christian school, about 300 students. And I remember that as a teacher, you could not give a test on Thursday. Because they wanted all the youth to go to church on Wednesday. And they didn't want homework or studying for a test to be the excuse to why they could not go to youth group. So there was a rule. Because I, I remember. Because I put a test on Thursday one time. They said teacher you can't do a test on Thursday. And now, of course Friday was a football game. So they were all going to be gone to the football game. So I did it on Thursday. Okay. As trying to be a smart teacher. They're going to all be gone. Do it on the day when they're going to be here. Nope. You can't do it teacher. You got to wait. I said well then it's going to be on Monday. All right. But it, they had the rule. But the rule was to remove an excuse for why the youth couldn't go to church. Hmm, because they knew that was going to be a reason for it. Um, look, truth of the matter is, uh, if, it would, if it would have been going to a movie house on Wednesday night, the kids would have been there and would have had no problem getting back to, to their test. Uh, but they wanted to remove the excuse. Uh, to be great with God. God wants us to be great with Him. God wants also for us to do everything for the glory of God. Longing for the glory of God. Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Do you long to see God's glory? Do you long to know God in a deeper way? Do you long to experience his glory? Look with me, if you would, in Exodus 34, 28. Exodus 34, verse 28. Let's see how Moses worshipped God. I do believe more people would put their faith in Christ if they saw uh, that, that they saw our walk with God was real and deep. Exodus chapter 34 in verse 28. The Bible says, And he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. Neither did he eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the Mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him, with God. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses and beheld the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come nigh unto him. Moses spent so much time in the glory of God. That he didn't notice God was all over him, but everybody else did. Belonging for the glory of God. Look, today our culture, if they see somebody slightly improves their life as a Christian, automatically they say, wow, I can tell God's working. And, that, and the danger is they don't grow very much more than that. Why? Because if we grow much more than that, then it challenges us. Man, i got to grow. You know what It helps me when I see how, how on fire other people are for God? I want to be around Christians who are on fire for God. We have a friend uh, who's a, a missionary. Our church is not able to currently support him. And uh, he, he came, he requested uh, mission support, but we were not able to at this time take his family on. But he went with his family to South Africa. They It's a young family. And this young man is truly, I mean, just he's on fire for God. And he's, he's, you can tell he's burdened. He's burdened about learning the language. He's burdened about loving God and loving people. His wife, Him and his wife have two young kids. They're just giving their life to serve God on the mission field. And it inspires my heart, seeing his po- constant posts. And this morning, I, I was going to read it, but I tell you, it was, it's about, about this long. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, challenge to give our lives wholeheartedly to serve Jesus Christ. He's burdened that the American church stand behind him. And he's reading a book about it, and he posts it. Now look, the book's a little convicting. and says he's my a missionary friend. By the way, I haven't met him yet, but he does message me and say, I'm praying for you, and tries to reach out to us, and we keep in touch. But, but in the post, he said the problem with missions, it's not the missionaries. It's not the people over there in the unreached countries It's the church in America. I gave him a like on a post. Okay? And he really challenged us that in America, uh, sometimes we're just too complacent. We're too okay with things just being status quo. And he challenged, you know what? The American church needs a revival. And it was really convicting. It was really encouraging. And it was really helpful. And he touched right on where my heart is about things Where are the people who are going to fervently follow God? Where are the people who are going to be full of the glory of God? Where are the people who are going to lead their families forward for God, be longing for His glory? That's what God wants in our church. This book, the Bible, is filled with stories of men and women who longed for God and experienced His glory. In Acts 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, And they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus, belonging for the glory of God. You ever get a really excited phone call? Somebody super excited, you can tell they're beaming from ear to ear. I got a phone call yesterday, and uh, it was yesterday afternoon, 6 o'clock. Phone call came in, I said, wow. I wonder who this is. Phone's ringing. It says, Kamari. I said, Kamari normally doesn't call me. It must be something very important. Usually it's a text message. I pick up the phone. He had just got a package that my wife sent. And he had just opened it up. And the girls did little drawings for him. I wrote him a letter. My wife wrote him a letter. And she put a bunch of candy and stuff in there. You know, all the good college stuff that he needs. And uh, it was exciting. I could tell he was beaming from ear to ear. He said, I just picked up this package. He's like walking across campus. He's like, man, I'm so excited. I mean, he was so excited. He didn't stop to do anything else. He he went ahead. He had to call. He had to call right then and say thank you. I said, man, we're praying for you. We're believing God to work in your life. How are you doing? Man, he's doing great. He's going to preach for us when he comes back. He's going to preach a whole service when he comes back. His first time doing that. He just just told me, he said, Pastor, yes, I will. And I said, that's awesome. And he has a good sweet spirit. And he said to me, he said, you know what? He said, Pastor, what I'm going to miss when I get back is I want more church. He said, I want more services. He said, on Sunday, I go to four services. I said, I know, Kamari, that's great. He said, Kamari, I want to do more services too. I really like doing more services. I like having more time We're around the Word of God. Uh, yet, it's hard in America, isn't it? Because we got so much materialism, so much other things, it's hard to even get people to show up maybe on time for church. Uh, and And, oh, by the way, I heard a great article about that this week. And, look, we make time for what's important to us. And when we show up late, we proclaim that we are more important than whatever else is going on. And so... We've got to make it a priority on these things and we've got to show up and we have got to help. And he was so, he's so burdened about it. he's like, man, but you know what when he comes back, we've got to be on fire to encourage the young man, okay? We don't want to discourage him when he comes back, right? He's there trying to meet with God, uh, trying to, to go forward. He hears about three messages a day, okay? I mean, he's getting some good preaching in there, hearing some good preaching. And look, he's going to come back, and is he going to find us complacent, discouraged, or is he going to find us seeking God, uh, showing up, desiring the presence of God, longing for the glory of God? I pray when he comes back, he finds Calvary Baptist Church encouraged and moving forward, that we are desiring, you know what, we're going to follow Jesus, and we're going to put him first in our life. And maybe uh, he can come in and see, wow, we've brought somebody in. It's one of our friends, and we've invited them, and they're sitting beside us in church. And we can say, you know what, Kamari, this is somebody I invited. By the way, he's doing that out there. And we can say, you know, this is somebody I invited. Thank God. God brought him. God did it. And uh, this is somebody that got saved. My friend, God wants to work. Don't you believe God wants to work? And you have not because ye ask not. He also shared with me. I said, Kamari, folks, are writing your notes? He said, yes, two folks have written him notes. I said, man, that's awesome. Two folks have reached out to him. I encourage you, you, take time to write him a note. The address is in the lobby. Uh, take time to write him a note. Take time to pray for him. Take time to encourage him. Uh, we thank God for what God is doing in his life. I'll tell you, when I was in college, there was one family that lived about an hour away from me, and they would send me care packages. And there was a church that I would helped start. And the pastor of that church organized and sent had everybody put the notes in a box, and they sent those to me. But that was the only correspondence I got when I was in college, and I was out there for a good while. Okay, So... We can do better than that. By the way, that was a big church, okay? And that's that's all they were able to do, okay? And so some of the people would call me sometimes, but look, it will keep him encouraged as he's far away. Let's be reaching out and uh, encouraging him as he's seeking God and uh, believing God to work. We ought to be longing for the glory of God. What's important to us will get us excited. Today we worship the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He's worthy of our worship, and we should adore him with every fiber of our our being, belonging for the glory of God. Maybe this morning you would just with me say, God, show me your glory. Lord, I want to meet with you in a better way. Lord, I want to experience your presence again. Look, my great encounters with God have been as a result of spending more time around this book, not less. Uh, my great encounters with God have been as a result of spending more time around the preaching, not less. And every time that my heart pulls away or somebody else's heart pulled away, has pulled away, I've always noticed a coldness comes in. But when we come closer, it's like the fire comes in, man, and warms, and it moves us and compels us to serve Jesus. As Moses met with God, let's not be like those children of Israel. They're standing around the mountain. They see Moses up there, but they got something else on their mind. Moses, why are you taking 40 days to meet with God? I heard the news is on. Something important. I heard the vice president said something important this week. Um, sorry, I had to go there. Um, you know, I heard something happened this week. You know, something important happened. I had to get on my phone. I had to check it. Moses, excuse me, Moses. Something happened, we've got to go, we've got to start flying the Ukrainian flag now, Moses. We've got to go get one. We can't stay here for 40 days and meet with God. Look, things keep distracting us. Moses, the gas prices came down, we've got to go fill up the car, okay? Look, life pulls. Are we going to meet with God? Other things come in. Are we going to meet with God? Are we going to desire the presence of God? We need to lead our families to worship God. Let's believe God to do great things in our life. Let's stand together for worship uh, this morning. And let's take a moment to come pray, meet with God. I encourage you to come forward to pray. I encourage you to come and, and kneel before the Lord and ask the Lord to meet with you. Maybe you're here this morning you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've not asked Him to come in your life and be your Savior. And today you need to come to Him in simple faith just as you are. And you need to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you for dying for me. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your gift. I put my faith in Christ alone today. If you've never done that today, you need to do it. Today needs to be the day of salvation. If you have done that Maybe you just need to re-surrender. I surrender all today, and you're just going to ask the Lord to meet with you. However God leads, let's do business with the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for meeting with us today. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the privilege to be able to go into your presence, to be able to directly access the throne of grace. And we ask you this morning to settle upon our hearts, to revive our hearts, and revitalize us and help us to follow you. We're just believing you to work. We ask you to work in this family day coming up, that you would help and you would bring out more souls, Lord, and you would do great things in our hearts and our lives. We pray you'd minister and meet with us this week and help us to follow you. And, Lord, I pray that you would um, uh, be with the evangelist and guide him in that, Lord, and preparations. And, Father, we just thank you for all that you're going to do in our hearts. We're asking you to keep working. Help us right now to do business with you. And if you spoke to our hearts, help us to take a moment to settle it. Help us to take a moment to get with you. We thank you for what you are doing. And uh, in this moment of invitation, we ask you to continue to meet with us with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe this morning, as you're just sitting here, you just say, you know what, Pastor Dan? Uh, As you're standing, God spoke to me this morning. God spoke to me about something. And you know what? I just need prayer this morning. That's you. And God spoke to you about something. And look, God spoke to my youngest, okay? And uh, she's dealing with some things over there right now. And you know what? Look, God spoke to you. Maybe you need to get real about it. Maybe you need to lift your hands to God. Maybe you need to just get on your knees and meet with God. And God spoke to you. Would you take a moment to meet with him this morning? If God spoke to you like that, you just say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you just lift your hand up? God sees and God knows. God spoke to me this morning. God spoke to me. Anybody else? God spoke to me. Amen. God's speaking. Anyone else this morning, maybe, Pastor, this morning, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm saved. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I'm not sure I'm saved. I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Let's take a moment as the piano plays, and would you respond to the Lord? Would you slip out from your seat? Would you come forward and would you pray? Would you ask the Lord to meet with you again? Would you ask him to renew your heart and refresh your heart?